Welcome to the Achieve Results Nutrition and Wellness Podcast, the ultimate guide to feeling and looking your best. Join me, your host, as we embark on an exciting journey to discover the power of nutrition, exercise, sleep, recovery, and mental performance. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and uplifted as we uncover the secrets to unlocking your full potential and living your best life. Whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a wellness warrior, or just looking to improve your overall well-being, this is the podcast for you. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to elevate our performance together. What we're going to talk about is the ability to know what's best for you, right? And it's the only way to ever really find your truest, most sustainable, easiest way to achieve and maintain your results. So at the end of the day, we're all individuals and we need to start acting more that way, right? We have this approach like, hey, like, I just got to do what everybody else is doing. It's working for them. It should work for me. And in a lot of cases, that's not how this works, right? You're an individual and we got to treat you as such, right? And you got to treat yourself that way. We're going to talk about individuality today, but I think one of the things is like, you can't ignore the science of things, right? So to be taking advantage of the power of protein and what it does for your body, just your ability to build more muscle, recover better from stress and activity levels. And then obviously we get the thermic effect, right? So then it's going to help us with that caloric burn. It's going to help us actually naturally burn more calories throughout the day, right? So we can't argue with the science of that. Scientifically, there are things that are proven and we can really take advantage of those in order to rev our metabolism up as high as we can get it. And essentially that's what we want, especially when we're talking about ability to improve on fat loss and muscle building and all those things. It's not just about weight loss. It's not just about calorie deficits, right? The goal is to learn to get smarter about your food choices and approach your eating to make it more metabolism friendly, right? So we want to approach your eating in a way that is more geared toward that metabolism running exactly how we want it to run and being able to influence it in the direction that we need it to go depending on our goals, right? So the body's always in flux and we always have to understand that and work with it, right? And that's why I think today is going to be so impactful. I really think this is one of these things that could is going to be a literal eye-opener for most of you, because I know it was for me. So I guess I'll start with the bad news, right? The bad news here for some of you is that your dietitian or your nutritionist or your trainer, or even you sometimes might not always know what is best for you, right? So imagine that, right? I don't have all the answers for every single person all the time. And I wish I did. If it was so simple as just, hey, here's your TDE, you're going to eat 300, 400 calories under that, and everything's going to be great. I would be a very rich man. But the fact of the matter is there's more to it than that. I want to challenge you today to start considering this, right? Like if you feel like something is missing or something's off with your training, with your nutrition plans, things like that, you need to be an advocate for yourself. All right. So when you go come to see somebody like me, a dietitian or a nutritionist or somebody like that, all right, we're really dealing with the law of averages, essentially, with a lot of things, right? So I always have to start before I know anybody. You sign up, you come to work with me, you sign up for me to build you a custom meal plan, do your custom macros, calories, micronutrients, all these things. I have to start in the law of averages, right? And even when you guys are putting information into chronometer and getting your BMRs and your your TDEEs, your total daily energy expenditures, these, again, they're laws of average, okay? So the thing is that, they aren't always perfect. And we're finding that out. We have a lot of people that are saying, hey, I've been doing this. It's not working the way I wanted it to. So some of us fall within the laws of average, right? People that they just jump onto the macros and it works great and everything's good. 
and then people that are in the opposite, the opposite boat or on the opposite spectrum, right? That's the thing, right? So basically what we need to start doing is understanding that the nutritionist, the dietitian, the food logging app or the tracking apps and things like that, they're dealing within the laws of average. This kind of gets me thinking about some of the people that I've worked with or I'm currently working with or I've worked with recently where we've really had to think outside of the box, right? So there's people that we start in those averages, but then we need to be able to read and react and you need to be able to read and react as well, right? So if something's not working, you can't just keep pounding your head against that same wall and thinking, why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work? You got to have some specific parameters, obviously, right? There's certain things with the protein and with the veggies and stuff that I truly believe can be a life changer and a game changer. But when it comes down to calories, macro ratios, all these different things, there's you got to be able to pivot and you got to be able to think outside the box a little bit. Right? You are an individual and we need to treat you that way. I have people that I've had to put on to keto diets because they respond best to that. I've had to have people where I've, we've started with a TDE of, I don't know, I forget what it was. It was like 1800 and we went all the way up to 2800, 3000 calories in order to get that person the goals they wanted. And they were still struggling, but they really couldn't eat any more food at that point. So it's, it's kind of this experience that helps make these decisions along the way. I've worked with people who had to eat every meal from a microwave while living in a hotel. <laughs> and that guy was still able to lose 50 pounds and he's kept it off for three years. It was awesome. And then I've gone all the way to the opposite spectrum of working with people who only eat organically and don't even own a microwave because they don't believe that, that it's healthy. And that guy also lost, he's 60 pounds and still going. So I got to brag about myself for five seconds there. And it plays to just the whole individuality piece, right? So I think that's important. And that's what I want to get you to understand today. I've been there where I tried to fight against my body. I thought that eating less and exercising more was going to make me a better athlete for some reason. Don't ask me why I thought that was the case at the time, but I was ultra rigid with my food intake. I was very specific about the kinds of foods I wanted to put into my body, but they, I wasn't listening to the signs, right? I wasn't listening to what it was telling me, what it was showing me, how it was making me feel. And it caused, I burnt out. I got beat up. I broke down. I was getting injured and just a wear and tear that I wasn't able to recover from just nagging little stupid things forever. And I got weaker. I got slower. I got sluggish. I had no energy besides the energy I could muster up to go do my workout and stuff. And I had to pay for that. And now as I've battled through that and I've learned to take this more individual approach, I really do think like one of the things that I do well personally for my own self and my own nutrition is that I do listen to my body. When I'm tired, when I'm gassed, I lay on the couch and I eat food. I've gotten smart enough to understand if I'm not hungry and if I'm feeling great, like if I feel amazing, I go hit a hard workout. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat as much. If I'm extra hungry, I eat a little bit more. And I feel like that's playing more to the metabolism, right? And the metabolism telling me that, hey, man, I'm tired today. Like I, I'm extra stressed. Like I'm trying to tell you to slow it down, right? Or, hey, man, all bets are off. Go for it. You feel amazing today. Let it rip. And if you don't eat as much because you're moving more and stuff, then it's all good. So that's the thing I think we can take advantage of, right? And a lot of us don't. We try to just do the same thing every day. And no matter how we feel, we just try to hit that calorie number or whatever, and it really puts us in a spot where we don't really give our body the ability to be a little bit more flexible, right? We're on the theme of individuality. So what were you doing when you felt the most comfortable in your own body? I think that's a great question to, for people to start to answer, right? A lot of times if I'm struggling with someone who's not fitting kind of the law of averages that I was talking about, 
That's the first question I'm going to ask. When did you feel good? When did you feel your best? What were you doing? What were the, what was your routine? What was your eating like? So basically, what are you doing when you're happiest physically, mentally, emotionally? I think writing these out, it, it might actually help you start the brainstorming process, or it's definitely going to help you start the brainstorming process. And it's basically going to help you find that ideal lifestyle approach to achieving your goals a little bit more comfortably. And I think that's the big thing, because if we're talking sustainability, that, that comfort aspect has to be there, right? So I know. Personally, I'm most comfortable. I'm a bit of a worker. Like, I like to be doing more. Like, I, I love to be training harder. I love to be moving. I don't love, I don't love being stagnant. I love challenging myself. I love pushing the limits a little bit. So I'm in that eat more, exercise more approach a lot of the time where I've tried it. I've tried to eat less exercise the same. I try to push the limits on the workouts and not provide the food, but it comes back to bite me, right? And I just find that I'm not able to move around as much. I'm not able to get the most out of my workouts and I'm not seeing the result that I want to see. So essentially you get enough messages from the body and you got to start to listen to it. I start to eat a little bit more food and I'm able to pick back up my training and my activity levels. So that that's my situation. I think it's just something that we can at least write it down, at least start to consider it, right? Because you may realize you're like, okay, I feel amazing when I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Oh, wait, I'm not doing any of those things right now why like that those are questions that i really would love for you to ask yourselves so it's always important that again we start to identify these things and then we start to ask ourselves how often or how much of these do we actually have in our daily plan right now and if they're missing then we're probably robbing ourselves of our ability to be living within kind of our most comfortable way to reach our max potential. I really do that. I think this exercise could potentially be like life-changing for you on the level of individuality and just overall comfort in your dietary approach. And that's essentially, if we can create the comfort, then you're rolling at that point. It's hard when it's uncomfortable. It's easy when it's comfortable. So we want to find obviously what's super comfortable, but then is also still promoting our goals. So how do you make a plan that fits your lifestyle? in a way that creates the best results. That's what we're after, right? To me, like that's the metabolic individuality approach, right? And that's what we need, I need you to understand. So this is also, I think, why there's so much failure in the diet world. And it's tough, right? We all want to be told exactly what and how to do things. Because again, it's like, you got, there's been enough failures in the past where you don't trust yourself anymore. That's the problem, right? So now you're just seeking someone to tell you, hey, this is what you're going to do and it is going to work for you, and life is going to be perfect. That's going to be one of these things that's off your plate. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But unfortunately, it doesn't always work like that, right? For some, it works. Like I said, some of those people fall into the law of averages. Some of us, it doesn't, right? What we're going to do today is we're going to get into the four factors of metabolic individuality. I think they're going to really help. And I literally do think that this could be that thing that changes your whole outlook on eating or dieting, however you want to think about it, and your whole impact on your results, which is the why you're here, right? You want to get better, do better, be better, all these things, right? I think if you've been stuck on that hump, this could be that thing that gets you over the hump. And the beauty of it is that it's not going to be what I tell you to do. <laughs> it's going to be what you determine as being best for you. So I, I really am a huge believer in that if you're going to work with a nutritionist or a dietitian or something, they have to be, you have to be working together. It can't just be like, hey, do this. And do it or you're not doing it right. Like it, that's not, that's, it's not the case. I think it, that's just like with life in general, right? There's a million ways to do things and a million ways to be successful with things. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves basically first. Not a lot of people get told that, that they need to create individuality. A lot of people get told they need to fall in alignment and just do better with what they've been given. And I don't know about that. 
the more I, uh, the more I research, the less I feel like that's the case. So these are the four things. All right. Four P's, if you want to call them that physiology, which is just means basically how your body reacts to things like chemically, like in this, the science based like chemical reactions of things in your body, psychology, personal preference and practical circumstances. So I think these are the four things that we can really do a better job of understanding about ourselves so that we can create a plan that's a little bit better for us. So the physiology, right? So we're all unique genetically, right? So everybody is, there's literally no two humans in the world that have the same genetics, if I'm not mistaken, right? Even identical twins or something. It's like to try to do the exact same thing as everybody else. This is like a good way to understand like, oh, maybe I need to think outside the box a little bit, right? You are your own person. There is no other you, okay? No one's like you genetically. You're totally unique. And because of that, we have variability within hormones, right? Everybody's going to have different kind of like hormonal structures and everything like that within the body. Everybody's going to be variable in their hunger, their energy, their cravings, and their response to those things, right? Some of us binge, some of us don't. Some of us have more leeway with those nights where we overeat. I guess like a good example is one person can go have a donut or something like that and move right along with their day and just like it never happened. Whereas if another person has a donut, it might send them in like a total tailspin and they might end up just like binging on food for the next week or something like that and can't get themselves back under control. So these are the types of things that we have to consider about ourselves. And this is where the individuality thing comes in and how we need to start understanding our response to certain things. So if you're one of those people who has the, the binge effect from eating a donut, then that doesn't make you a failure or like a loser or anything like that. It just that's is what it is, right? And that's a response from your body that you need to understand. And you need to start to work within, right? So maybe your leash is not as long as other people's, or vice versa, if you can have the donut and move on, then maybe you don't have to really worry, right? You can get away with having a snack once in a while and not really worrying about it. So it all depends, right? And we also all have an individual reaction to dieting, which is I actually have a cool study to refer to up next. But obviously, everybody reacts different, right? So it, it's like, we've all seen it, you get together with your best friend, you guys do the elimination diet, right? You got together with your friend and you did my January reset diet in the new year. Your friend lost 10 pounds. You lost none. Why the hell? You guys were eating the exact same food. You were doing the exact same things, right? So these are more, this is more proof, more reasons why individuality comes so heavily into play, right? And then some of us store energy more than others, right? So some of us just don't burn calories as, as readily as others. And that's a simple fact. Again, there's the people who say, oh, I look at a donut and I gain five pounds. You can eat 10 of them, you lose five pounds. But these are the realities of individuality. And these are the things that we need to work through, right? Like for me, going back to that person that was, their TDE was only like 1800 calories. We had to get them all the way up to 3000 just for them to maintain their weight. That wasn't even for weight gain. So that's one of those anomalies where if you're not thinking outside the box, you're just going to be still telling that person, oh, just eat your 18, eat your 18. Oh, maybe you're not eating enough. Maybe you're not doing it right. No, you got to be able to pivot a little bit. So here's the study. The study is pretty crazy. So there was a study. Let me explain this quickly. So they got groups of twins and I think they got 12 groups of twins together. So they, they were similar in terms of like their genetic makeup and things like that. And then what they did is they brought them into a lab, like a controlled situation. They had them live in there for two weeks. And these were like young sedentary males. They were around 20 or something like that. And they measured their caloric output for two weeks. So they figured out their baseline. What was their like essential, their TDEE. And then what they did is they controlled their feeding. So for a hundred days, it was. They, so they did 
they fed them a thousand calories over their maintenance level for a hundred days. So they would do, it was six days on every week and then one day at their caloric maintenance. So essentially over the hundred days, they ate 84 days where they went a thousand calories over their daily expenditure. Okay. And then they just had one day each week where they just ate their normal amount. So here's how everything played out. So the lowest amount of weight gain was nine and a half pounds. The highest was 30. So it just goes to show the difference in how different bodies respond to the same, the exact same situation, right? Like these people were in a lab, their food was controlled, the calories were controlled, a thousand extra dependent, like dependent on their energy output. So this is really cool study. And the average weight gain was 17.9 pounds. But in, interestingly, the smallest amount of weight gain was nine and a half. The largest was 29.3. So that's, yeah, an, a 20 pound difference between the extreme cases, right? So that's, again, just more proof of this individuality, right? So to expand on this, the researchers wrote in the paper, the man who gained the most amount of weight essentially stored 100% of the excess calories that he was fed, right? And the man who gained the least only stored around 40. And that's just people being sedentary, just eating food in a controlled situation. So I find that to be so cool and so interesting. And I'm sure there's plenty of studies on the reverse side where you underfeed people and some people don't lose any weight and some people lose a ton of weight. That's that whole physiological individuality and how important it is to understand that, hey, unfortunately, life's not always fair for everybody. If you're that person who gained, literally absorbed 100% of the excess calories and gained that 30 pounds, and you're looking at the guy beside you who only gained nine and a half. It, that can get frustrating, right? So we need to understand that we all are individual. And unfortunately, there's always going to be people that we just look at them and just go, what the hell? Like, why can't I be like that? Now we get into the psychological. And I think this is a big one too, right? So obviously, everybody's got a unique personality and a varied emotional response, right? So some of us eat because of stress, and some of us don't, right? So some of us will actually kind of go into we'll go days without eating or whatever, because we're stressed, right? Or the reverse, we'll go days where all we can do is eat because of stress. And I think, um, I think that actually changes depending on the stress, the situation, right? And the way we handle the stress. So I'm sure there's been times where you've been binge eating because you're stressed. And I'm sure there's been times where you can't even think of food because you're stressed. So different responses to different situations are going to also come into play, right? We're probably not going to just ever fall into one category, especially psychologically, right? Stress energizes some people and cripples others. I was thinking about this for myself. There's specific stressors in my life that get me fired up and excited and ready to go. And then there's other stressors that make me want to crawl under my couch and hide or whatever, right? So we need to start to pick up on these and we need to start to pick up on our response to those. And then we can start to act accordingly based on the, on these responses. Right. And then we start to develop these different coping mechanisms. Right. So if we know that, Hey, a crazy day at work means we're going to get a burger and fries or a pizza on the way home because of the stress, we need to understand that and we need to cope with it. I know that if I'm having family over on the weekend and it stresses me out and all I want to do is clean the house and I don't look at food for three days before, cause I'm too stressed about if my mom's going to see some dust on the counter, it, we need to also understand that, right? So different situations might play out differently for us. And I think we need to be able to identify those and find that those more positive alternative coping mechanisms, right? And then how we succeed, right? So I think we all have different ways that we are comfortable with finding our best success, right? So some people are very numbers based. I have one guy in particular that I'm thinking of, and he got right into the food log. I honestly didn't trust that this guy was going to like really do very well <laughs> with me but he ended up being a huge numbers guy 
As soon as I gave him the food log, he started logging everything religiously. He still does it to this day, 35 pounds down, and he's absolutely killing it. And it's all because he loves numbers and he loves to break down all the numbers and stuff. And then I have other people who just don't even want to look at the food log. They want to do things more intuitively based. And I'm cool with that too. I do think that we need to at least have a base knowledge of what we're doing nutritionally. And when I say intuitive based eating, obviously it's still going to be nutritionally dense and focused on high quality and all that stuff. But you just can't expect that every single person is going to dive right into the numbers or whatever. I think there's, we need to understand that too and be like, Hey, logging and like weighing and measuring stresses me out like crazy. Like it just makes things worse for me and it makes things harder for me. I feel better if I can just go about my day and just intuitively pick things up and eat them and make sure they're very high quality. And I'm good at self-monitoring my intake and all that stuff. Then that's okay too. You don't have to fit this box. I'll always talk about these stupid diet boxes. Keto is just an easy one to, to key in on, right? Where it's like, you can't touch carbs ever again. You have to eat high fat and you have to eat pretty low protein. If you're not doing that, you don't fit the box and you know, it doesn't work. Right. So it's, I don't love trying to stuff ourselves into these little boxes. It may work for a time, but you might be able to do the keto diet for a little bit, but then you want to have an approach to break out of that box and still be able to continue to see your results. Right. And personal preference. Okay. This one's huge, right? You're not going to do something you hate for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's fact, right? So the more we can play to the preferences, the easier the process becomes, right? So again, we have specific habits, likes, dislikes, assumptions, and expectations. We have like philosophies on life. Some people are very rigid, very structured. They need that. Some people are more go with the flow. They just want to take things as they come, focus on things one step at a time. And other people want to know what they're doing 10 years from now, they want to have it scheduled somehow on their schedule. Like we, we all know people like that. Like I'm like this versus my wife. Like when I'm planning this podcast episode and to be hundred percent honest with you, I'm doing it the day of, or the night before I like to sit down. I like to focus on things as they come. I don't love planning things out way far in advance. So we got to play to our strengths here and values, right? How we see food perceptions and perspectives, feeding times, meal sizes, so we really need to get in tune with what, what serves us best. And I think there's all, we always need a plan, right? We can't just be winging it 24 hours a day, but that doesn't mean that you have to have your meals prepped on Sunday night for next Friday, right? For some of us, that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we want. For others, we just need to have a daily game plan where it's like, all right, if the wind blows me this way, I know I'm going to do this. If the wind blows me that way, I know I'm going to do that. And as long as we have a plan in place, but based on our specific preferences, I think we can all win. I've seen, I've talked to so many people who do this all the time. They're like, oh yeah, I've been told I should prep my meals on Sunday, but it's not, I don't like it and I don't want to do it. So, all right, then don't. But that doesn't mean that you can just forget about the whole week and just never have a plan and just write it off. So we do have to find a happy medium here, but I do really think the personal preference is so important because if we're going to create something, especially I preach a lot about sustainability, right? We want to, we want to create sustainable results, not just something that we do for a month or two, hate it, and then move on and end our, and end up right back in the same position two months later. If we're going to create sustainability, we start to, to play more to our strengths, more to our personal preferences, right? And then our practicality. Okay. So this one is huge too, because living situation and physical limitations and things like that. So 
There are people, some of us have a Whole Foods next door. Some of us don't have a grocery store within 10 miles of us, or we live out in the country and there's very limited resources. So depending on living situations and demographics and things like that, we're all going to have different. I'm super lucky being in New York, like in Long Island. I've got a deli. I've got, I can probably walk to four different delis in 10 minutes, right? So if I ever need anything, I can go to the deli. I've got two grocery stores within another two minute walk and I've got a Whole Foods two minute drive. So like for me, my living situation is very conducive to being able to get whatever I want whenever I need. I've worked with people who live out in like rural, like Northern stuff in Canada and they got to make a trip to get to the grocery store, right? So for them, it's not okay just to be like, oh, just swing by the deli on the way home. It's whatever, what what are you doing, right? Because the grocery store is 30 minutes away and you got to get yourself, you got to take time on your Saturday and go do your grocery shopping And it's got to last you till the following week, right? So again, we need to start to consider these things, right? So our time, our money, not everybody's going to be doing organic. Not everybody's going to be doing fresh everything. That doesn't mean we can't still eat good quality food. Utilize stuff that's on sale. Utilize stuff that like chicken legs and things like thighs and stuff like that are a little cheaper. Um, Lots of dried foods. Don't be afraid to do frozen or canned or whatever, right? Like just because we're at a disadvantage in terms of like monetarily and stuff doesn't mean that there's not still options out there. And even there's, and they've done studies, right? And I think it's to eat what would be considered healthy as opposed to like doing a lot of like fast foods and prepared foods and things like that. It's only like maybe like a dollar fifty difference or something throughout the week. It's like a very small number, which most of us can probably absorb. If not, again, that's something else you're going to have to plan for. Physical limitations, especially when it's coming to eyes and things like that. A lot of times we feel like we have to do specific things, but they're not working. Like we're feeling tired. We're feeling run down. We're feeling shitty. It's not responding well with our body. So again, just to keep beating ourselves into the ground with that same approach may not be the play. Also past traumas, food or otherwise. Again, I just think it's like some things aren't good practically, right? I wouldn't have someone who has a past history of eating disorder or something logging their food religiously because that could get a little bit dangerous. So like things like that, if you're, you come from a situation where you do a lot of binge eating and things like that, and what triggers you, then maybe having a little more relaxed approach and just having the donut once in a while isn't the play. You wouldn't just hand a beer to an ex-alcoholic and be like, man, it's only one. Just have the beer. It's just one. Like we we do that. We understand that with some things, but we don't understand it with our food situation. So again, some of us are going to have to be a little bit more rigid than others in our approaches. And then our commitment availability. And this one I think is huge, right? We stress ourselves out. We're, we have a week of travel where Maybe we got all this crazy stuff going on for work. We got work travel. We're going to be out for dinners. We're going to be super busy in meetings and stuff throughout the day. It's pretty easy to say you're in a hotel. Pretty easy to say that you don't the 100% of your availability to give to your diet that week, okay? But we stress so much about it. Oh, what am I going to do? I can't do this. In that situation, you got to just do your best. You got to figure out what do if you have 50% effort that you can give to it, give 100% of that 50%, right? But again, I think it's important to understand that not all of us have the same commitment, right? Like I don't have kids. I work from home. My commitment availability to my diet and my nutrition and my training is a lot different from someone who has four kids, works nine to five in an office and commutes an hour a day. And I think it, so for someone to be comparing themselves to me and trying to do the same thing that I'm doing is just crazy. It's never going to happen, right? So then we get mentally burnt out. We get physically, we're not happy with the result and we end up calling it quits and just giving up or something. And that's exactly what we don't want, right? At the end of the day, this whole individuality thing, it's on us. And that's the cool thing, right? So it's really on you. And I think 
I still think, obviously, I'm biased. I think it's very important, very valuable to work with a coach. If you've been doing this for, again, like I said, you failed enough times that you don't even trust your own self, then that's where a coach comes into play. Like you need to seek the help of a coach, but not just a coach who's going to say, oh, you need help. Yeah, here's my diet plan. Read that, follow it. If it doesn't work for you, you suck and you didn't do it right. Like that's not the play. Like work with someone who's willing to work with you and find what is best for you, right? Be extremely mindful. You need to start to conceptualize what is working, what is not working. And you need to be okay with moving on, right? You need to be okay with taking a different approach. You need to be okay with trying different things. Um, Be very practical and very realistic. So again, if something feels stupid, feels out of place, feels like you can't do it, it, again, we all hate change. So give it a shot. But if you've been trying something for months and you don't feel like it's in your wheelhouse, then it's probably time to make a pivot. And understanding this is a journey. This takes so long. I've been in this over 15 years now. I'm still working my way through it. I'm so far from perfect. Every once in a while, I might put up my foods on Instagram and all these things. I try my best. That does not mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I'm only eating perfect foods or that I have everything figured out or that I don't, I don't do things that nutritionally that I'm not super proud of sometimes or whatever. It's all a, it's all a journey, right? And it's all about enjoying the journey. And I think the more we're living in alignment with our own individuality, the more we can learn to enjoy the journey. If we're just getting bounced around from person to person telling us what to do, and we're just trying to do it and never enjoying the process, it's going to suck the whole way through, right? I think, like I said, there's value in having the help of a coach, someone who can lead you in the right direction, steer you in ways that are going to benefit you. But then also you got to work with that person to to figure out what's going to work best for you. It, again, it's your ideal dietary approach, right? It's yours. So if you truly do feel like something will work, then try it, okay? Worst, worst case is that it doesn't work as well as you planned and you move on and you move past it. But that's where the mindfulness comes in. That's where you got to be smart enough, put the ego aside, be like intuitive and inquisitive enough of yourself and your approach that you can start to pick up on things that are doing good for you and things that aren't doing so good for you. So I hope that resonated with you. So I just want you to remember that change only happens when you take the action, obviously, right? I seriously recommend that take your individuality seriously. So where can you start? Do you see any holes or gaps or anything in your approach right now? I would just say, are you trying like mightily trying as hard as you can to fit that diet box like I talked about and you just keep busting out and you're trying to restart it and then you bust out of it again and you don't know what the hell's going on. You don't know what to do. I mean, so I would challenge you to think about that. I'm going to say that's a big thing, right? If you can start to poke holes, see some gaps, things like that in your approach where you can do a little bit better, I think it's important to start to identify those and write that stuff down, right? So thank you for listening to the episode. I really do appreciate having you here and having you support me. So you're the best. Thank you. Please note that this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The information shared on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be used as a replacement for the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider. Additionally, the opinions and strategies discussed on this podcast are those of the guests and host and do not necessarily represent the views or endorsement of the podcast or its creators. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.